Okay, nice. How was the how was the weather in Munich today? Actually, pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Pretty sunny. It's beautiful here too, man. I'm in Oberstdorf in your hometown, and I can from this window in this guest bedroom I can see very clearly these beautiful mountain peaks near the ski jump. Have you, you ever take a picture of that for social media? Yeah, I Do should. Not only make me, but also listeners jealous. <laughs> it is really beautiful outside. It's really clear. Um, have you ever been? You've been to the to Ify's parents' house before. Um, funny thing, I have been to this house, but not their part of the house because it's like split in. Oh no! Which house are we talking? Oh, no, no, no! You are at Ify's parents. Yeah. Okay. No, but I've been to the. I haven't been there. I've been to the to the guest house where you sometimes stay. I like the Marienhof. Yes, and that's split in three parts. Right. You know there. And um a friend of mine used to live in the part at the at the rear part. Ah, okay. Yeah, I but just know they're the same house, so Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I know like there's one entrance and you go downstairs and there's a the kitchen, which is where we recorded a lot of our quarant- original quarantine episodes, like back in March. And then, or that's where I recorded from. And then there's like this, uh, there's two smaller apartments, the floor above that. And then there's a big one at the very top. Um, and the funny thing is, I only know one person who stays there. I think on the far end, like you said, it connects to a third part and there's like someone's house there. And I don't know his name. I always forget his name, but I call him Sexy Grandpa. Because he's always outside, he's always shirtless, and he's he got like this thick brown hair. He's always he's got abs, and he's like washing. He's always like washing a truck or like washing his skis <laughs> off or something. And every time I see this guy, I'm always like, "What is this surfer? Like, what's this Owen Wilson, you know, Matthew McConaughey type dude doing out here?" And uh, you know, I'm always told like, "Oh yeah, well that's you know that's so and so's dad. He's a grandpa actually." So I, I, I always forget his name. It's for me. He's always sexy grandpa. Like a sexy grandpa outside. <laughs> the last time that we stayed there back in March, uh, I was kind of afraid of him because he was always, um, like, whenever I was outside, maybe going for a walk or like going down to Evie's parents' house, he would always stop me. And he was—he's that kind of type of guy that, like, you know, he sniffs out the people who aren't really into nature. And then tries to tell them how much they should go do things uh, yeah, in nature. A, a lot of people in Oberstdorf are that way. Oh man, that drives me nuts. That drives me <laughs> nuts. It's like, I don't come over to his house and say, Hey man, you should stay inside all day and play Nintendo Switch. Otherwise you're a big loser. <laughs> you know, like I don't tell him, I don't tell people what I like to do. You know, I just, it's like, go for it. Go in the mountains, you know? But every time he sees me, he's always like, Oh, Jordan, staying inside all day. Oh, Tisk tisk, you know. You really yeah. the mount the mountains are beautiful. You should go for a hike. Have you? Do you ski? You should go skiing. Do you go skiing? Oh, you gotta try snowboarding. Oh, let's go for a run. It's like, man, <laughs> you go for a run. I'm happy in here. I'm happy with my I computer. I go for a jump and run. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine, man. I'm 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 good. Maybe I'll go for a bike ride if it's an e-bike. You know, I'm good. <laughs> I'm set. You know. Man, it was so funny. The, like the, we visited, uh, we were here last week, I think, for or last weekend for a couple of days, and um, so like I, I kind of 
sort of tried to mention in the last episode that uh, I, I was like, I'm, I've been brought in to direct uh, like a little music video clip for Ify's dad's band. And yeah. that's, that's all been postponed and stuff for now, but it's still on. I'm still going to do it. But the last weekend that I was there, um, we went to, they say, scout the location to look at the location where we would want to go shoot it. And um, it was like really, 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 really far and high up into this mountain. And I had never really gone so straight up with a bike before. And I, it's like I had these these confl- this conflicting advice, you know, because Ethie was behind me, but her dad was in front of me. So he was borrowing an e-bike as well, but he said he wanted to save the battery. He had turned off the battery, right? So he's just charging up basically vertically on a bike with no battery because, you know, he's used to it. He's from here. That's He has a pride no. he must fulfill in the mountains or the, the <laughs> trees will judge him, you know, or whatever. And, and then no, but the people who see him. Exactly. Exactly. It's exactly. And and so then Ify's behind me and she's got her battery on full, like complete, like super helpful, you know, full, full charge. Uh because yeah. it's just going straight up, but she's also still struggling because it's so, so uh sharp. The peak is so sharp. And then I'm between them. So my I have my bike on like middle battery because that cut because her dad's in front of me saying you should really save the battery. You should save it. You should save it. Turn it off. You can do it. Just save the battery. So I'm thinking, oh man, you know, like I see that my battery isn't so full. I'm going to run out soon. I'm going to have to keep it in the middle and like push as hard as I can. But I've, but then behind me, Ify is like, what are you doing? Turn the battery on. This is crazy. <laughs> you, you're not used to this. You should do it. So I've got both of them back and forth. You should do it. You should not do it. You should do it. You should not do it. And dude, I had like a panic attack. I started getting so upset because yeah. it was just such a high peak and I was so not used to it. And then finally, I got to a flat uh, platform and I stopped for a second. I was like, you guys just go ahead. This is like, you're from here. I'm from the flatlands. I'm going to take a break, you know? <laughs> And so finally we got to the, eventually we smoothed out a bit more and we got to the location and I made one joke with her dad where I said, yeah, you know, this location is beautiful. And luckily next time we come here, we can take a car. (laughs) And he looked at me with so much hate in his eyes and he was like, you had an e-bike. What are you complaining about? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, dude, come on. I'm from the swamp, man. This is not I'm not I'm not used to this. Yeah. No mercy. But, but um kinda so this might sound weird, but um for me it's kind of funny and nice that you experienced this because um this kind of I would say pressure about being sportive and being active um, in the mountains and um, being good at hiking, biking, skiing, whatever, um, is something I grew up with. I had for, I don't know, 18 years. And I don't want to complain too much about it because I got used to it, but sometimes it can be, yeah, kind of kind of harsh. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Uh, but it's, of but course. it's so deep within this community also with um so kids grow up with it and they and they push it further 
I don't know, a group of kids is around somewhere skiing or whatever. And there might be um, one kid that's not that, or you go skiing with the school and one kid is not that fit or not that good at skiing, etc. Um, and gets all the shit. <laughs> of course, of course. I'm trying to think of like a similar situation that I might have seen. I mean, maybe like a, let me think, maybe like in a skating rink or something or in like a, I don't know, like a skate, like a skateboard park or something. You might see this kind of aggro, like, come on, dude, like fucking do it, you know, but it's really different here. It's like an entirely different breed of people who, who attribute, like, if you're not, if you're not struggling or like, if you're not it's almost like they think you have to suffer in order to respect the environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that sums it up pretty, pretty good. You know, like I, we take yeah. we take her parents' e-bikes. <clears throat> we always take them out, and I mean, it's just more, it's just easier and more fun for us to go out and see all these things in the mountains and stuff with these e-bikes. And it makes it fun for us to like go out there, and the bikes go fast, and it's you know, it's easier, and. I see nothing wrong with that. But every time that we go out there, there's always a handful of people that turn their heads because they hear like the little battery and they judge so, so discriminately. They're just like, you disgusting tourists, yeah. you know? It's like, come on, man, what's your problem? Yeah, and it it, it really can be um, an unhealthy kind of pressure. And I thought about it and... Um, thought about it rec recently during lockdown um being in munich like um <clears throat> and i posted something about it on, on 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 social media and a lot of friends um answered it was an instagram story like yeah i can totally relate um because people like me from from the those those alpine kind of villages and areas and you you live somewhere else in a city and it's corona lockdown and you sit in your apartment and don't know what you to do with yourself. I don't know. <laughs> Hanging in front of your TV or whatever. And you see all those people, old friends, etc., who still live there somewhere in the mountains and being super active every day, going paragliding, hiking, biking, whatever, every day. Um, and always posting about, yeah, let's use this lockdown to get, I don't know, Hulk mode fit or whatever. <laughs> and you feel like a piece of shit. Because Absolutely. all the people you know are super acti active every day, are out there in these beautiful mountains and torturing themselves. Um, and yeah, this kind of, yeah, you, we got to use this lockdown to get really, really fit. And you're sitting there in your apartment in Munich and like, yeah. Well, um... I'm I'll happy just open here. Another, another spezi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. From yeah, absolutely, like I'm, I'm of the, um, I'm of the persuasion that you should take advantage of downtime with enjoying. I, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a person of entertainment. I, I studied film and I study music and I perform these things. And for me, it's, it's most fun to, of course, you know of course, take some times outside, some nice walks, whatever, if the weather's nice. But it's not like I do that because I know it's good for my mental health. I know it's good for me to go out for a walk, get some fresh air, get some vitamin yeah. D on my skin. I do that with the acknowledgement that like, 
I should do that. But my favorite things to do, of course, are like, hey, this sofa is comfortable. It, there's a pandemic going on. I shouldn't go out and try like try and force myself into restaurants no. and bars and clubs and stuff. And instead, I can just order or make food that I like at home and, you know, watch a good movie or watch a good series, you know? Yeah. Over the weekend, Ify and I basically binged this season, uh, season two of this show called The Sinner, because mm-hmm. we loved the first season so much. And the second season is also really great. Um, and I didn't feel bad about that at all. I mean, I have no problem watching like eight, like seven or eight episodes in a day when it's a, it was like a Sunday. We had nothing, we had no stress about, um, no plans or obligations. And it's not as if we can be like, oh, it's Sunday. We have to go to the cafe and get an outside table and we have to reserve this and we have to, oh, we have to go do this on time. It was like, no, we, we both want to watch something. We're doing it together. It's fun. Of course, we take some breaks. But I don't see anything wrong with that. Totally not. And um, two points on that. Because um, first off to this whole um, kind of pressure to be active, etc. What I experienced, and this has been one factor when I was about, I don't know, 16 or so, which made me say, okay, I gotta move somewhere else when I'm done with school. Because this fucks me up this mentality and this uh, group pressure and this kind of community and then when i moved to munich and started i don't know uh, started started a life there and not coming that often to obersdorf right um i kind of kind of found my my peace with it because i realized okay um even if there's no pressure, I I still am a person that enjoys hiking, biking, skiing, etc. All this stuff. But now I'm at a point where I don't give a damn shit about um, what other people say I should do or shouldn't do or whatever. Just enjoy it on my level, and I know I'm I'm still kind of fit. But in this life, I won't be this super crazy <laughs> alpinist anymore, and that's totally fine. And I can. And I and since then I really started enjoying this this stuff and started yeah. appreciating um, the nature around this village and was seeing the privilege that um, I have um, that right. I have grown up there, etc. And yeah. that that came when I moved away and 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 built an own life somewhere else. And regarding um, your second point about watching movies and shows, etc., I start feeling better watching TV every day during this lockdown because I think, and you can laugh um, um, about this probably, that I'm starting to learn to watch movies. <laughs> I, can, I can actually believe that, yeah. Like, it, not just being entertainment. So, don't get me completely wrong on this. I, I think I always, because I also grew up with... with, um, with art etc but it was mostly music and music and and art and and poetry um etc and general novels or whatever but never that much just because of my surrounding and my family said never that much into film so you know you you know what a what a classic is and you can appreciate good movies but still it is just i don't know entertainment to 
chill out to. And at the moment, I think I'm really learning to, to which might, might also have something to do with um, me having my first year of really doing TV productions and working on a camera myself and starting to, to, to get a feeling for, for, for um, what a good, a good picture is, etc. Right. Um, and what, and what good storytelling using pictures um, takes. Right. And I'm starting to, to, to learn to, yeah, to, 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 to watch film. And I really love that yesterday um, because Tony is in this VJ video journalistic um, program and one of her, one of the girls who's in this program with her was here and she has an access. She won for the, normally from HFF every year there's this film school fest where they show all the, the, the short film, etc., documentaries, whatever um, the students did for their degree. And this year they do it digitally and bring together uh, a few more like film schools. And we watched like, I don't know, four in a row or something and one making off, etc. And it was great. And I saw some amazing short film. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think when you get more involved with uh, with any sort of art form or any sort of practice in general, then of course yeah. you can start appreciating when people do a, do a great job at it. No. Yeah. Um, and I think like you were saying earlier about um, this feeling of going back home after living away and appreciating what you had growing up. I think I, what I noticed a lot too with, with small, t like people who come from small towns is like one of two things tends to happen, which is that you have people a bit, maybe more like maybe me who um, I grew up in a small town. It wasn't some gorgeous oasis like Oberstdorf is. And I think that's the difference, you know, like I grew up in a small town with some great people, but mostly some small minded people. And, and I was exposed to a lot of artistic creation and great film and great music through the friends that I was lucky enough to meet in this record store that I always talk about. And, you know, I was exposed to like foreign film and experimental music. And I think seeing that there's this greater world out there, um, always push me further away from it. And even though now I'm older and of course I'm drawn to the idea of having my own house and having my own space and having my own yard and stuff. No. I, I'm not drawn necessarily to being far away from a city. I'm just more drawn to like having more space, which I think is the big difference. But a lot of people that I see here are of the second type, which is I'd, I, it's a bit negative to use the term like Stockholm syndrome, but there are some people who, start in towns like this, maybe not appreciating it, maybe wanting to see the bigger world and get out and travel. And they go to different countries and study abroad and uh, work in the big city. But then at some point, like in their mid twenties, they start getting like drawn back with this fever almost that they have to come back home. And I've seen that happen in the last five years here. I've seen that happen with, um, probably somewhere between like five and 10 people in the outer circles of, of friend groups, like not people that I'm specifically very close to, but people that I, that I know who, who get drawn back so much. So to a town like this, that they, you know, they, 
maybe even a year before talk about, you know, living in the city and getting a new apartment and like building up this or having a family there or, you know, working in this cool job. And then like within a year they switch and they go, okay, I, I'm, I'm going back home. I'm going to work at this smaller company. I'm going to get a place uh, like near my parents' house. Uh, I'm going to be, you know, hiking every morning and visiting my parents every weekend and going on like bike rides and like just being drawn very, very heavily back towards this town. There's a, there's a good example where, um, um, my brother-in-law's sister is currently staying at this empty apartment in our building. And it was, it's where, uh, Ify's sister used to live. So she's staying there, but her schedule, the way she thinks about her time and stuff is very like, like day and night, completely different from how I would imagine it. So she's, she's from this small town and she's actually from, I forgot the name of it. I can, I can get it for you later, but she's from this. Wait, your brother-in-law's sister, doesn't that just make your wife's sister? It's my wife's sister's husband's sister. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so I barely know her. I just, I okay, just met okay. her at, at their wedding and stuff. But so she's, she's temporarily staying in this building because she's studying in Munich. And the funny, the funny thing is, um, if I was, if I was from here and I had the chance to live in a basically like, I don't even know if it's, maybe it's rent free for her. I don't know. But, um, if I had a chance to live like very cheaply in the city, in an amazing apartment, by the way. We've and recorded a, there before. Exactly. Like, in a great apartment, in a great location, I would... Uh, they would have to beg me to come home on the weekends, which is what my parents used to do when I lived in New Orleans, and they lived in the small town across the bridge. They would say, like, please come home this weekend. We haven't seen you in a while. And I would be like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go home. Because I was always in love with the city and always wanted to stay out. What she does is totally different. She... Um, and this isn't anything negative on her. It's just this different mentality where she, she, uh, let's say like Monday, early Monday morning, she comes, uh, from this town next to Oberstdorf, wherever Daniel's from. Um, but this small village, she comes back there from the weekend, goes right to work Monday morning. And then from Monday through Friday around noon, she stays in this apartment and she, she works and studies the whole day. And comes home, you know, I see her sometimes around like five or six o'clock. She comes home right after, makes her dinner, maybe calls her her uh, boyfriend or whatever. And then like from right at Friday, maybe noonish or whenever she finishes studying, she leaves and she stays home the whole weekend until Monday morning when she comes back for, for studying. And she's been doing that for like since she showed up. So for months, you know. And I think she has another couple of months in Munich, but she's never, as far as I know, she never, um, you know, makes the effort to build friend groups in Munich or to explore the city or to go try something fresh. In her defense, it is a pandemic. There's not much to do. And maybe her, all her best friends are back home. But I see that and I think, man, that was so different from me to see this mentality of like needing, like being drawn so so aggressively back home. Like I need to go home. I need to be home all weekend. I need to stay there. My boyfriend's there. My friends are there. My family's there. And I was so different from that. Like I appreciate now, um, I appreciate nowadays, like being closer to my family, of course. And maybe I should have done that more when I was in college, but I also enjoyed 
making so many friends and playing concerts and being out in the city and like making adventures and living like living a life that I hadn't lived in Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. But that's that two like very different mentalities that I see. But the funny thing is I had both. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My first year in Munich, I was completely like her. Um, but I also had a, we talked about this off mic before. Um, I had a pretty rough start in Munich my living situation was shitty. University was shitty. Um, I didn't get to know any people, and I basically hated this city. Um, and I also thought I am that, or I don't know. I would say I thought I was that homebound, like she is. And I can tell you, so many people from the Alga are. I know so many people who went out for studying to basically any city. In Germany, let's say within, I don't know, 100 to 500 kilometer radius and who did their their whole whole time at university like this, like three years driving home every Friday, every Friday noon. Um, Crazy. And I thought I also was like that. And then at some point I realized, okay, at home things also changed because so many of my friends from school, etc. were also out studying. Um and did things another way and then yeah I had uh, had a pretty rough time there because I was in Munich and had no friends there and didn't like what I did at university and didn't like the place I lived in um and then I went home on the weekend and yeah it was nice to see my family but all my friends there also had to do other things or weren't there so I wasn't seeing people in Munich through the week and on the weekend in Oberstdorf I was also not seeing people and then. At some point, I was like, okay, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, so when did it change for you when you decided more that you wanted to stay like more often in the city? Because I see that now with you more like you're one of the like very small handful of people from this region who stay more often in the city. Yeah, um, funny, funny story. Um, and I get not paid to say this. <laughs> But it changed when I started at M94.5. Because, really? Why? Um, because, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but um, maybe partly. But now I am full-time employed and doing this volontariat at M94.5, but they also have this... Um, um, the Studentenredaktion. So basically the, the whole radio department is run by um, students from all universities in Munich and are organized in newsrooms, etc., and having, um, yeah, forms of more experienced people, people from bigger uh, stations, etc., who, who who show them and to um, feedback them, etc. And I started there, and you start there without getting any money, and so um, the whole structure is based on on working with people, but without this kind of... Um, commercial interest or um economical interest but you motivate people and it works with just with social connections and when i when i started there at the sports department at this time the the people who worked there were basically one big friend group and um it was for the first time it was pretty easy to i don't know to 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 join a group in munich etc and I made so many friends right away. 
And then many things changed and people showed me the cool parts of the city, which is also nice because M94.5 is this kind of, yeah, indie radio. And therefore you also get to, because you you do this for work, they send you to, I don't know, smaller, smaller concert venues, um, exhibitions, whatever you would never go to as a, back then, 19-year-old that um, has moved to Munich from the countryside. Um, and that's basically how I've, I don't know how to phrase this, found access to the city and started to like it here and, and started to feel a desire to to build a, actually build a life here. And that's what I did. My life takes place in Munich now and I always love to come back to Oberstdorf, but I don't feel this need anymore to do it regularly. Sometimes I really miss it and I want to go home and I want to get out of all the city trouble because I'm still used to having easy access to this awesome part of nature and going into the mountains. But uh, yeah, I broke out of the circle, <laughs> which so many people are caught within, that I have to go home every weekend, etc. Um, right. Do you think there's also like um, like a mentality from the families that they they expect their children to come home every weekend like it's an obligation that if they don't maybe it's uh, disrespectful to them yeah i i know that it is that way with some families um and i could imagine that it is it plays a role for many many people um and maybe that's something that's something I've seen. I feel like I've seen that a lot more here than I ever did in America. I mean, my parents, of course, they wanted me to visit uh, whenever I whenever I could. Yeah. But but as long as I was safe and as long as I was like learning about life and having fun, yeah. they were just they were just happy for me. But I but I see here a lot with the um, I don't know if it's just a like uh, a mentality from this region. I'm not sure, but. I do see that often where there's kind of this obligation to the family as if like in the same way that you imagine, it sounds funny, but it's same way I kind of imagine like British royalty where it's like, <laughs> there's, there's this obligation to the family. You must be there for the family, you know? And here I see that a lot with it, with a lot of people I didn't expect that from. They're like, no, of course I have to go see my family. You know, they expect me to come home and, and from and they, and they want to. It's not as if they're forced yeah. or something, but, but um, they want to. And there's this subtle like obligation to do it because it's disrespectful not to. And I never had that. Yeah, it, it totally is a thing. Um, but what I see and what I also have with my family and, um, for example, mom, I know you're listening. Um, this is, I think with my family, it is nothing bad, but it's, it often especially from this region, having so many kids with have a background with, I don't know, um, their family having uh, a construction company or whatever, but it has kind of practical reasons. So like a very good friend of mine who lived in Munich two years, um, I don't know if you might remember him, you remember my <laughs> my punk rock band, The Honky Tonks, we've played a show together in Bullwinkel, the, the singer this um, kind of smaller but pretty packed guy. Yeah, I remember him. Um, and he also had a um, had a rough start in Munich, but he from the beginning on he really liked it. But he he's just not made for living in a city. He lived here for like eight months, and I had to explain him the difference between a tram and an 
S-Bahn because he didn't get that. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> but um, he always had this because his... Um, his family has this um, this company, and he he always had to go home to to help out there. And now he's he's um, he also took a position in this company. And I also I often had or still have that with my dad that he needs help. I don't know, <laughs> um, um, doing some well, what do you name it? I own some I chores around to, the house, or yeah, or whatever. Or um, I only have this Monty Python song in my head lumberjacking like or woodwork or what do you call it yeah yeah that's fair like cut yeah so cutting down trees cutting and like, down trees etc yeah lumberjacking i think is actually <laughs> techni- technically correct <laughs> yeah but uh, sounds still sounds weird i'm a lumberjack and i'm okay <laughs> um yeah and stuff like this and you and that I think that's nothing specifically with this region, but yeah, but there is a. I think it builds up to this form of pressure. Doesn't always have to be negative for people, um, which is constructed by this community we talked about, um, and that you have to enjoy what is there in this region, nature-wise, etc. Every given day, plus family, plus whatever, that makes people so bound to this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the family think, yeah. thing is. So, um, I can assure you, it definitely is a thing for many people. Um, and I also know people from there. No matter what they did within the past years or where they were, they had like certain dates, like I don't know, Sunday, um, afternoon coffee with uh, with grandma. And no matter where you are, you have to be there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I think when you when you when you connect it to a family business, I think that that definitely makes a lot more sense. I mean, there's yeah. obviously the family company, you know, that Ify's family is involved in, and that 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 sort of obligation to if you know, like from her brother and stuff or whatever, like this obligation to kind of you know they're kind of groomed into that, and I think it's um, sort of special in a way that if didn't end up doing anything like that maybe maybe it's a middle child thing but just kind of being pushed um even further away from that like not wanting to to work there and stuff yeah. but you can see that like with her sister of course you know like wanting to yeah. to come back and, and support that and be connected to that and yeah and that's something i'm super priv- privileged i would say and super happy about um because i always had so there were like certain dates, etc., where there's just my my dad is asking for help, etc., and you, you do it. But I never felt an obligation in this direction, and um, always had the freedom to do whatever I want. Um, and like, if you bring it back to my my dad and my grandparents, he didn't really have a choice, as far as I know it. Like it was clear from the moment he was I don't know fourteen, sixteen, or whatever. Okay, you're gonna learn this profession. And you will run this business after us. That's what you're gonna do. And um, so that's something where I feel um, pretty privileged, I must say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, my dad definitely would have also wanted me to, like, back in the day, to, you know, we've talked about that before, like, to go into his field and to work. I think he always kind of wanted me to work in his like safety 
environmental safety and, you know, workplace safety. Uh, what do you call that? That, that field. But, uh, yeah, I was privileged too that I was able to, to choose where I wanted to go and kind of, uh, you know, move my own, make my own path kind of to, to being here and, and yeah, to being so in this the, beautiful so town. Support, exactly. Yeah. Still getting the support. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely really interesting when to, to look at this mentality and also trying to compare it to, um, you know, small town mentalities from around the world. Of course, I can only talk about my own experience in Mississippi. Um, and there, you know, like we said, there are some connecting factors there, which I think are really unique to coming out of a small town. I mean, obviously there were plenty of people, um, in my town who followed in their, you know, mother's or father's footsteps, worked in the same company, maybe even the same kind of position. They had an obligation to, you know, to support the family, to maybe even help, um, to help support the family financially from an earlier age than most people uh, have to. Um, and I think especially when, I think when you're coming from a small town like that and maybe there's an issue with one of the parents not being able to um, add to the family support, like maybe you have a um, disabled parent, maybe mentally or physically, or you have um someone with a, a disease that keeps them in the bed, or you have maybe um, more often in America, maybe you have a, a parent who's an alcoholic or who had an accident and passed away or something, then I think that even triples your likelihood to stay there and support the family and to work in a, in a field connected to maybe something that a parent did. So that's also a big privilege as well, that we both have our parents and we were supported to go our own way, you know? Sure, sure. But um, to, I would like to kind of close this chapter with one funny thing about this specific region we talked about, um, this part of the Alga where you are at the moment, because I only know very, very few people who, in their lives, who really completely disconnected from there. But I know so many people, no matter how often they go there or... Um, where they live, what they do for a living, whatever. But they all still have this kind of, you could call it a weird connection to it and still are so bound and go back. Like, Ify and you, I know so many people, I don't know, who live <laughs> someplace around Europe and still go back to Oberstdorf for two weeks every year or whatever. <clears throat> right. Or, and, and so many people, what I had, in, in little form who, I don't know, fall in love again with this this region when they've been away f- for a while. And that's something super fascinating because I, I also, um, obviously, you talk to a lot of people who are from from somewhere else, from a more, yeah, rural area, um, who really do disconnect after they, I don't know, been to college or whatever, um, or learned a profession or I don't know. But somehow this reason still makes up for this um, fascination that brings people back no matter what they do and where they live. Yeah. It's really, it's a really curious 
sort of special uh, behavior in humans. And I, I really would love to know where that stems from. And if that's more of a, uh, like a modern psychological effect since like the technical age, or if it's something that is drawn more into our, like our id, our, our caveman mentality to support the home. I'm really curious, but I have a feeling it's more related to the latter and, and it maybe it's just something that's just ingrained in us. No. Everyone wants to go see grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure thing. Oh so, man, nice. Um, but you are there <clears throat> being judged by sexy grandpa. Um you had your thirtieth birthday on Saturday. You've got a Nintendo Switch. How awesome is it? Dude, <laughs> it is so addictive. <laughs> it is so addictive. I I love it. Um I, yeah, I want to talk to you about the about the 30th and I want to talk to you about the new single like what's That's... been updated with that. Um let me just take a quick pee break. I'm back in two minutes. I'm just going to let it roll. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, dude, I wanted to tell you about the 30th because it was so, like, for the limitations that were uh, kind of pressed upon everyone who had a birthday this year, I'd say it was still the most special birthday I could have asked for. And, and, and it's really attributed to this one particular gift that was a surprise. So I knew... Um, I knew I was going to get the switch and I knew that I was going to get, um, some musical, uh, instruments, which are, which are all amazing. And I'm very, 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 very happy with them. But there was one gift that was a surprise that I really didn't expect. And it was so personal and so special, which was, um, so for the last, uh, couple of months or so, Ify had basically orchestrated, um, that, all of these friends from back home and my family um, take pictures of themselves, you know, in a certain style. And she, with the help of uh, our friend uh, Kati and, and Guy, who we've had on the show before, helped her make this big photoshopped image that is very pretty. It's like this nice deep blue sky with some like snowy rocks at the bottom. And then there's a big bright looks like an orange lighthouse right in the middle mm -hmm. and all of the friends and family are scattered and put all around it oh nice and it it looks great man it's so it's so like cute and funny and special and you can see like my mom and and dad and bruce and david and then you have like you know vivi uh, who we've had on the show before and we have like you know, Matt Bigelow and James and all these people that, you know, from the 12 songs record or from, is he smiling at you? Yes. <laughs> and he's holding an electric guitar. So he's, <laughs> he's still rock and roll. <laughs> and uh, we've got like Josh Starkman on there from have a great day. And my friend Nick, who's the, the drummer from the 12 songs record. And it's just amazing, man. It's so personal. And um, I cried a little bit when I saw that it was such a nice, nice, unexpected personal thing and you know to put all that effort into it and i told her that if there was like some great fire and and it was it all my other toys and stuff had gotten destroyed that i would hope to save this you would image. save the switch 
Yes. <laughs> and then I would really love to keep a digital version of the photo. <laughs> no, I would grab I would grab the framed uh, the framed picture. It's sure. so nice. So the first thing I did on the 30th she showed me that first thing in the morning. And then the first thing I did was I just wrote everybody who was in the picture and said thank you for, you know, taking the time to do it. Thank you for being a part of it and it means so much to me. And that was such a nice way to like reconnect with all my New Orleans and Mississippi friends first thing in the morning, you know, that was really great. And so the day kind of went like this, you know, we woke up, um, she surprised me with this. And then while we were, um, so she made this traditional breakfast that my mom always made on special days. Oh, the, 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 the heavy one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You got you got to uh, tell the listeners again what's um what the ingredients and the dishes are. So it's a special so for people who are listening who are not American, this is not a like a traditional American breakfast. It's not like everybody I knew had this breakfast. It's just a breakfast that my mom special specially made. I don't know if she got it from her mom. Um, but it's a very old recipe and she, she always did it ever since I was a little kid. And it was the breakfast we had on Christmas morning and she still does it today. And I think we had it on, um, like special birthdays and stuff, but basically it's a breakfast that is like scrambled eggs and sausage. So super standard American there. And then the most important part of it is these like buttery, fluffy, salty uh, biscuits. And I don't mean the British word biscuits, but like the American biscuits are like these big, like buns, they're big, soft, fluffy buns, (laughs) soft buns. And uh, they're really buttery. And like, you can tear them, you can like open them up like a, like a sandwich bread with your hands. And then the key ingredient, the number one thing is that she makes this kind of gravy sauce <laughs> that is uh, chocolate. <laughs> and you drizzle the chocolate sauce on the on the buttery bread and it's delicious. I mean, if you think like, I know a lot of people get grossed out by this, but if, if you imagine, if you imagine a breakfast where you have like sausage and eggs and then in like in Germany, for example, or in somewhere in Europe, you have like a, like a sweet bread after like a Nussschnecke or a Mondschnecke no. or a vanilla Schnecke. You have like a sweet bread. This is really similar to that. It's not, it's not. I just want to say that firsthand that doesn't sound so gross. It's just yeah. like, like uh, some form of, yeah, of, of, of sweet bread. Like, like you all also yeah. have uh, chocolate croissants in Europe. Exactly. It's like it's like the chocolate croissant, but it's warm, like really warm melted chocolate. Yeah. And the the one thing that does gross people out is that since I since I was a kid and I always had it, um, I always never had any issue with it with the chocolate sauce sort of like mixing around with everything else on the plate. Like I never minded if it was like touching the eggs or if it touched the bacon. It was like sweet and salty together. And, um, I mean, who, I mean, <laughs> like chocolate, chocolate and salted bacon is just a delicious combination. I don't care who you are, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it's a delicious and I always had it as a kid. And then, uh, you know, Efi, you know, she made that and it was really good. She did a really good job. She made these biscuits from scratch and the sauce was great. Just like my mom used to make. And when I was eating that, I was looking at these birthday cards because the, the funny thing was my mom had also made a surprise, which was that she got, all of like not all but a lot 
of my extended family on her side to write me birthday letters. And it was like some uncles and some aunts that I, that I knew, of course, and some cousins that I knew. But, you know, some of these cousins and second cousins, like they were little toddlers when I was already like 15 or something. And, and I had moved out of Mississippi and, you know, of course, then I moved here. And so some of these cousins I had never met. So she had all these people write letters and some of them were so funny because like some of them, some of them were like, like, hi, I'm Paige. I know we never met before, but I hope you have a great birthday. <laughs> and it was just kind of, kind of sweet. And there was one. Do they uh, all have this thick accent? Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> nice. And there was uh, one, like a lot of them were very, very Southern in the way that, you know, they had these sort of colloquial sort of idioms and these wet, this way of talking and they would, a lot of them included like Bible verses that they said helped get them through the day. And, you know, like all this very, very traditionally Southern Christian uh, things, which are all sweet and fine. And then there was one, uh, I think it was from my, my mom's probably going to get angry that I can't remember right now. I don't have the letters with me, mom. I'm sorry. I think it's from my aunt Beverly. And she, she wrote on a card like, um, I just want to make sure you like, I want to make sure you didn't forget how to speak Southern. So I wrote down some definitions here to help you, help you get along. And then she wrote like, so the word is mayonnaise. And the definition is mayonnaise. A lot of people out here tonight. <laughs> I think that was from the old Jeff Foxworthy, uh, redneck handbook, but it was like, uh, mayonnaise, mayonnaise, a lot of people. And then there was one, like the definition of nothing was like, man, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> and she's like, well, I hope that helps you. <laughs> so I opened up all these sweet, like Southern Christian um, cousin, aunt, uncle letters during breakfast. And then the big toys came out. Then, you know, all of you guys like you and a lot of my other friends had, of course, pitched in for the Nintendo Switch. And if he got this game with it that I really wanted a uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which for those who are familiar with the Mario world, it's, it's the classic Mario game where you have like many different worlds and levels and puzzles and bosses and stuff. It's all about Bowser, of course. And it's like Mario 64 and Mario galaxy. It's like that. And it's great. It's a huge, extremely fun adventure game. And uh, on top of that, I knew that I was going to get the switch and if he, um, only got the the one game with it. And I knew that she loves playing uh Mario Kart, so I bought Mario Kart and then she wrapped it, <laughs> wrapped it with it. <laughs> so you I wrapped it? No, she wrapped it for me okay. and put it with the put it with the Switch. <laughs> nice so move, I was like, Ethan. oh yeah. Oh, who got What's me this? Mario Kart for my birthday? <laughs> totally unexpected, dude. And then uh, with that, uh, I got this uh, Yamaha DTX drum pad which is super cool. It's I can program all these great drum sounds into it. I can do it live. I can loop it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then the really the greatest like musical thing that I got was this um, Akai, uh, I think it's the 249 uh, MIDI. It's a MIDI keyboard. And it's great, man. I'm already using it. I, I brought it here uh, to this, uh, this week to Oberstdorf because I, uh, I was supposed to be working uh, sound on an image film this week. And I had also been hired to do the music for it. 
they canceled the shoot, but they're still going to pay because it was too last minute. And I had already brought the keyboard and had already made some music for it. So I, I still can send them some stuff, which is cool. Um, and that's really fun. I mean, anyone who knows anything about MIDI's is basically like a keyboard where you can program every single sound in the whole world into it. And, you know, there's, you can be a violin, you could be a trumpet, you could be a fart, you could be everything. So I love that. That was, and then the birthday was super, super relaxed. You know, we, um, we had had like a really tough, uh, week before that. So we kept it really, really chill between us. We just, we played some Mario Kart together. People gave us like American food, like American snacks and lots of chocolate and people baked us cookies and, um, we just ate junk food and then, um, we went for a walk and then in the evening we had, um, we had kind of played it by ear, but, uh, if he was for like feeling really good and I was feeling really good. And so in the evening we, we had, um, agreed that Ben and Katie, these two friends were going to come by and we were going to make, um, homemade pizza together. So we had, you know, for a few hours, we ate a bunch of really delicious homemade pizza. And Ben had also brought his, his frying pan. So he made like, um, fried, uh, popcorn chicken bites. And that was great too. I had all these hot sauces there and, um, we had a few drinks. Um, and then that was it. We, we, uh, just kept it really relaxed and I had a really nice time. Sounds like a decent Corona birthday. And you... You really did, um, how do you say, cream off on the side of, of, of presents. What's that? You really, you really got yourself, you really got some super nice presents there. Oh man. I, well, it, one, one thing I have to admit is that I had never mentally put that much importance on, on, on the 30th birthday. Yeah. But in Europe, or at least maybe to Ify, uh, <laughs> the, thir <laughs> the 30th is a humongous uh, turning point. <clears throat> And she did a great job of making it a very, very big deal. That you know? is so And nice. The original plan before Corona was that I was going to rent, I was going to rent like a big arcade with a bar yeah. or like try and find some equivalent of that with a pool and um air hockey and table tennis and a bar and just play games with with uh, you know maybe invite like 50 or 70 people or something and have a big party yeah um but of course that didn't work out so i think i think she felt a little extra bad that i couldn't celebrate it with my friends the way that i wanted to and i couldn't see my family i couldn't have any friends visit in for it so I think she just, nice. she, yeah, I think she just felt bad and, and then she made it like as special as she could. And she, I, I know how she thinks and I know that there was definitely a couple of moments where she might've thought the challenge that she had set for herself was maybe a, too big of an undertaking, but then she powered through that and still made it like so extra special, like making homemade pizza, making my mom's breakfast, putting this surprise Photoshop uh, picture together with all my friends and family And, you know, getting everyone to pitch in, like orchestrating everything with my family and with my friends to get the right gifts that I wanted and working with me, like to still have enough surprise that she could feel like she had done something without me orchestrating my own birthday. And I'm really grateful to her because that, you know, she, she really made it such a special, special day. And it was only smiling and laughing and eating junk food and being really It was it was a really well needed like positive 
happy day. That's so nice. Yeah. It was like, it was just like the last few months had never even happened with everything going on in the world. It was just like a perfect, cool day. And then uh, the next day we, um, yeah, we were a little hungover and we were just, we just ate a bunch of nice homemade cookies and watched some TV and played some Mario Kart. We talked to my, we, we Skyped my family. We had like a, we did a call with my parents and with my brother and, um, and yeah, it was really sweet. And my brother showed us his, his new house in Salt Lake city. Nice. He just moved, he just moved there and got a really nice house. He's got a nice cool view of the mountains there, the Utah mountains, but that's sweet. yeah, man, it was a crazy, it was a crazy weekend with the birthday. And then of course, something else I wanted to talk about was the new single, New single dropped on November 13th and the video dropped out with it and it premiered on um, this Hamburg uh, Bunkverlag. Um, the Kultur News did the premiere. And if you still haven't seen the video, it's, of course, it's on YouTube, but you can also, if you're on Instagram, you can find it in the link in my, in my bio. And I'm really happy with it, man. That's what I wanted to ask you. Are you happy with how this how this single uh, turned out, or do you still wish wish you didn't get stoned? <laughs> I think, I think the if I could have changed anything, like with the with the song, I'm completely happy. I think the song is really fun, and and the label really believes in it, and I think they're pushing really hard, and it got into this um, great Spotify editorial playlist called Indie Brand Neu, brand new. And it's, uh, it's a huge playlist. It's got like all these artists that I love, like Phoebe Bridgers and Eels and, um, yeah, lots of, lots of great artists in there. Um, and so that's great. And I think the streaming is going well. The numbers look good. Um, I'm trying to get it into some, like the new thing now is if you can get it into some TikTok videos, you know, that's why that Fleetwood Mac song went back to yeah, number one. Yeah, that's what I thought about. You, sh you definitely should should try this. Sh should we create some some stoner TikToks? Sure, sure. <laughs> the, the label the label told me to try and think of a TikTok challenge, but I don't I don't think it's that easy. Hmm. I don't know what a challenge could be with this song. You no. know, like w without something too obvious that isn't no. really funny. I don't know. But I don't know. You I could just take you could you could just take. Um, <laughs> Um, you you have seen Life of Brian. Mm -hmm. Um, the one scene where the guy claims he's Jehovah, and take this scene where they throw rocks at him, and you put the song underneath. <laughs> I wish I hadn't oh. got stoned. <laughs> I always forget about the double entendre there. Like you could be <laughs> actually like stoned with rocks. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, I gotta think. Of, I gotta think of something. If you guys have an idea for a good marketing idea. <laughs> Send it in. If you have an idea or do you want to start a uh, TikTok account, use the great Jordan Prince single, I Wish I Hadn't Got Stoned. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like the label was also really pushing to do some stuff with TikTok. So I pitched it. There's some websites where you can pitch things to influencers. And I pitched the song to a bunch of TikTokers. And it got picked up by a few people which is really cool. So those will probably come out uh, this week and maybe that'll keep the streams. We'll make this a TikTok up. hit, buddy. I hope so. I, I mean, that would it. be great. That would be great. I mean, the streams are humongous for TikTok videos. So, 
but the the song and everything I'm very very happy with and I think it's doing well and I I think this was the first single that I had released in a long time where I didn't feel as so stressed about the tedious details as before like with Crooked Rail I was consistently stressed about it and like checking numbers every single hour and pushing everything as hard as I could even when it didn't change much I was kind of maybe pushing myself too much with it and with this one I don't know I just felt different about it I felt like okay it's it's going to do what it's going to do and at some point by midnight on the 13th I have to be done with everything so it doesn't change anything if I just obsess constantly over how it's how well it's doing or not doing you know I can just do the promo as I do post a few things throughout the week do the submissions to the influencers and hope that they pick it up and, um, you know, just keep an eye, you know, maybe once a day, look at the YouTube views and see if those are doing well. And, but I can't, like, I think I'm always convinced that if I obsess over how it's doing, that I can influence it. And for some reason with this single, I don't know if I had like, maybe it was just because the month of November turned out to be much more, um, difficult for me privately than I would have imagined. Maybe that just, the other things just seemed more important probably, And I think that was kind of a balance where I said, okay, I've done what I can do. It comes out tomorrow. I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I got up early. You know, I got up early around like seven on that day and checked all the numbers and made sure everything was out. Everything was spelled correctly. Everything looked good. And yeah, and then for some reason, I just didn't, I just haven't stressed about it. You know, the label sends me some suggestions and we talk about plans, what to do, because the first week is always an important week for a single. And Right now everything looks everything looks cool. Um and I'm not I'm not staying up late at night wondering if I could have done something better, you know. I think the only thing I would have changed, uh, sorry, I keep starting that sentence and not finishing it. What what I would have changed is I probably would have tried to I probably would have tried to save up more money for the video cuz I'm 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 happy with the video, but I also felt like maybe it's at like 80% of of what I really wanted to push it to, but the creator um, just didn't have quite enough time because he had to keep taking jobs to get paid because what I, what I was paying him was, of course, like a friend deal. It was much less than he deserves. And um, I was so happy that he kept getting more and more work from bigger clients that paid him like genuine money that we kept delaying certain aspects until like the last minute we were doing changes on the video around like midnight, like right at like 11, you know, like in the evening, just before it's supposed to, everything's supposed to be done. I think I even did my final, a change at like six 30 in the morning on the day of release. Um, just before the, just before the Kotua news premiered it at like nine o'clock. So that was too stressful for me. I don't like having like making changes on like the video, the day of release. Um, and it wasn't his fault. It was just like some things took a long time to render. It's animation is very difficult. CGI is very difficult. He did a lot of great work and I'm really happy with the video, but I think if I could have had, you know, like triple the money to give him, I could have like technically purchased a full, like, not a contract from him, but I could have purchased a full time, like paint, like a job out of him instead of a favor. Because right now with this indie budgets, everything's a favor, you know, 
It's like, can you do this for a hundred bucks? Can you do that for 300 bucks? Can you do it for free? You know, everything's with a budget and you have to hope that they like the music and that they like you. And, you know, I'm really grateful to him. And I'm definitely not complaining, but I think if I were to be honest with myself, I think it'd be great if I could have had more money to give him. And then we could have spent like, you know, he could have spent, you know, 40 hours a week for a few weeks on it and made it like his full job and could have, he could have afforded to turn down, um, other clients for this job. And until that day comes, I have to be kind of thankful for, um, friends like him who can, who can take these deals and do it on their off time and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I am, and the video is great and I'm very happy um, with everything that, that Ben did. He's a he's super, super talented guy. Um, but everything else I think is really just the best it can be. It's, um, it's a funny, catchy song. The reviews are good. Um, I'm happy with the, with like the, the blogs that had posted about it. And we got mentioned in the Zudeutsche Zeitung about it. So that's all really, that's all really cool. So right now I think it's going as well as it can. That's so nice to hear. But the other thing is, yeah, that's also always something you, you could say, especially, um, within working in the artistic field field and it always makes <laughs> the, your product be- better if you could make this someone's job i mean right um this should not sound wrong but i i think we also what we're doing at the moment um realized that when um <clears throat> I was able to pick this project, Artifacts Immigrants Up, to be a part of my job at I'm 94.5 now, and I can record and do the editing and all around it in my work time. And this is right. basically one reason why it is um, easily possible that we do this every week, because I can save those, I don't know, two to three hours every week just for editing, and I don't know, this one to three hours for recording, etc. Um and it's the same with with animating. It's the same with songwriting, with producing music, music, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I mean, it's right now. It's great that we have the opportunity. Like the thing is, I don't want anyone to get me wrong. I'm so thankful to be able to do what I do at the level that I'm at now, and that's only because of people like you who were able to make this kind of show work within the within the constructs of your job at N94.5 and people like Ben who were able to make the video look the way he made it look yeah. without, without being able to do it full time. I mean, it's still so great, so impressive. And uh, people like Tim who are able to, you know, help produce the records for de- like for deals that don't benefit him, but he loves to do it, you know? Yeah. So I'm like the, what do they say? Like the, the road, like what? Is, there's a good phrase of like the road to the, like the road upwards is su- something like supported by, by an electric a great motor on your bike, and you should turn it off if you're a real man. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end the show, man. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end the show because I I do have to go, and that's the best joke I could ever imagine to end it with. Um, yeah, so let's um so thank you so much for listening. Um if you're a fan of the show, you can support us at patreon.com slash Jordan Prince. Um you can go to uh wherever you're listening to the show on iTunes or Deezer or Spotify, you can give us a, a rating or a review or a comment or just tell your friends about us because it helps uh, small shows like us go a long, long way. And Mo, where can they follow us? 
on Instagram at artsy-fartsy-immigrants. And if you have any other thing you want to talk about, or you are an artsy immigrant or no one who should definitely be featured on this show, just send us an email to podcast at m945.de. Beautiful. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Mo, thank you for your time. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Look out, baby. The Saints are coming through. And it's all over now, baby blue. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.